You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to Barton and Bud show. Uh, we're excited. No, no coronavirus talk today, Bud. J- just pure football talk. Uh, we're talking 2020 season. We're talking. Forget the, the the opening weekend. We're talking about the final weeks of the season. We're talking about college football playoffs, Bud. And th- this was you proposed this exercise, and I love it. And um, I'm gonna go ahead and let you set this up and talk us through what we're going to do here for the next hour or so. All right, so Barton and I are going to draft potential playoff teams, and we're going to go eight rounds, so there'll be 16 teams picked. If you if your team makes the playoff, you get a point. Seems pretty simple. We're each going to take eight teams. It'll be a, a snake draft format, and uh, we discussed beforehand, Barton wants picks 2-3 and then 6-7, uh, so I, I get picks 1-3. Uh, Three, three, four, or excuse me, one, four, five, uh, et cetera. After each pick, we'll kind of discuss and say, yeah, I think that was like an obvious pick there, or perhaps uh, I don't know what you're thinking there. You know, maybe I have this this team a little bit lower on the board. Probably not a whole lot of hate because, I mean, you're taking the top teams of college football. And for a tiebreaker, uh, we will use, like if we both end up with two, or we both end up with one. First of all, if we both end up with only one team, um, then we should probably quit our jobs. <laughs> uh, but... You know, if we end up with two each, which is possible, then we will go to a tiebreaker uh, of teams to make New Year's Six Bowls. So basically the the access bowls there uh, as a tiebreak. And we should probably do a little kind of charity bet on this. Uh, the loser has to pay, I don't know, what do you want to say, 100 bucks to the uh, to the winner's charity? Works for me. All right, cool. What's, that's, the, that's what's, the, lowest, what's the lowest ranked preseason team to make the playoffs. Was it Oklahoma a few years ago when they were ranked like 16th? Yeah, I think that's... Where was that Michigan State team ranked that got crushed by uh, by Bama? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know what they were ranked. Because Washington would have been pretty high. Um, I, I, I feel like o- the Oklahoma, maybe the first year they got in, was the lowest ranked team. And I want to say it was 16th. So our 16 picks, you would hope, would cover all possible options. Um, so hopefully, like you said, we're not stuck with one each in here. That, that would be, hey, that'd be a hell of a season. That'd be that fun. <laughs> no uh, doubt. So. I, I thought you were going to ask me, what's the lowest amount to charity that we can get away with without people giving us hell for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't going to say that. But look, I got, I got diapers coming up in July. You know, I think 100 I can deal with. Um, and, and uh, you know, hopefully we still got jobs and everything by then. We'll be good to go. All right. So a little NFL draft means we're All right. Uh, so leading off here with pick number one. I don't think this is going to draw a whole lot of criticism. Team Bud Elliott selects the Clemson Tigers. Clemson, who made the playoff 
last several years in a row, and uh, they are led by Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Swinney. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a pretty good uh, feel for uh, what Clemson is. Clemson also got nine spring practices in, which is more than most of the teams on this list. So I feel pretty good about, about taking Clemson here. Their schedule is uh, pretty favorable, and I don't really see any game in which they'll be favored by less than double digits. So if you get that kind of recipe from a Power 5 conference, I, I think you got to go with it. Was there any hesitation? Not really. I, I, I just, I mean, I, I thought about it and I was like, I mean, I would probably, I'd probably lay you know, one to three on them making the playoff. All right, so let me ask you this. If this exercise was not about a playoff berth, but instead was about you get 16 chances to pick the national champion, would you have still gone Clemson with your first pick? Yeah, but I think the gap is smaller, right? Like like making it and winning it are, are different things, but in order to win it, you do have to make it. So a major component of Winning it is, I mean, obviously that's that's kind of a, a truism. A major component of ma- of winning it is making it. But uh, I think because Clemson, in my mind, is so overwhelmingly the number one, uh, I, I think I would still go with Clemson for my national title pick if I had to pick just one team. Well, and also I think the the Clemson deal too is they still like every other school we talk about for the most part is 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 going to have to survive conference play. Clemson, you can just I mean they're just pencil them in. I mean they're they've locked up that they're the ACC champ I think like that that would be pretty pretty shocking to me if they didn't win the ACC all right so we ready for um Barton's up for for two two. all right so I guess it doesn't matter whether I just just for the sake of my board I think I'm gonna actually go Alabama at two I think the, the the big question obviously is quarterback I think Mac Jones is good enough. I think Bryce Young, I sure would have liked to have had him get a spring ball session in. Had he gotten spring practice in, you know, maybe I'd be even more confident. This is this feels a little bit like the what the year when I mean Jalen Hurts didn't start the season as a, as a starter, right? It was uh um who was that crowd that that he was playing behind? Like I think he's I think that Oh yeah, yeah, the game in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, it was Blake Barnett was the starter that year, maybe. Um, yeah, it was Barnett. Didn't they have like three guys who they were actually looking at? Yeah, they were, there was a whole crowd, and Jalen Hurts showed up, and just, just kind of took that thing over. You know who they played in that first game, right? In well, Dallas, USC, right? Yeah, yeah. And they opened, they opened again this year against USC. Oh, there you go. I like that, I like that trivia. So, I, I like Alabama here because there's a little bit of a, a. a I mean, yes, they got to get through the SEC, but there is a little bit of a just don't count these guys out. Like, all of a sudden, they have all this motivational material. I, Bryce Young can be that guy. I think they, they returned a bunch of dudes. I think Dylan Moses coming back on defense is a total game changer. They might have been in the playoff last year if Dylan Moses hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, so Alabama is always a safe pick. I don't think I have to dig too deep into it. Um, but I do think that there, I've got kind of a hunch that this is a year that Alabama's got a pretty good shot at winning it all once again. Uh, number three, you can probably guess. What's your guess on my number three here? Uh, you better be taking the Buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah, you got to go Ohio State. Justin Fields, quarterback, loaded roster. They've recruited well enough. Uh, Ryan Day, second year. Uh, just th- This is going to be maybe the most talented roster in all of college football. 
And I think when you have a roster that talented, you, you've always got a shot. Now, granted, they've got a, a tougher road than, say, a Clemson. And I, I just still think Ohio State is, uh, is probably our best bet out of the Big Ten and probably the most talented team in the country. I got to tell you, like, it, if we had flipped picks, right, and you had one and I had two, three, I would have done the exact same thing. And I'm guessing you would have also done the exact same thing that, that I did in, in taking Clemson to one. Uh, with Bama, I, I love the floor of Mac Jones and then maybe the ceiling of Bryce Young, right? Like you have that confidence that, all right, th- this team can get to the playoff with Mac Jones, provided they, you know, that, that defense is as good as we think it probably is going to be. And I, I think it'll be a, a really strong bounce back here for the defense. On 24-7 Sports, I wrote my uh, one prediction for each SEC team. Like I know you wrote your one prediction for each Big Ten team. And my prediction for Bama was that their defense was going to be the best uh, since at least 2017 because they've had two they've had two years in a row where they had like a good to very good defense but not that Nick Saban classic you know Bama style defense and uh, I, I think this will be a really strong bounce back uh, for them and their schedule is they do have to they do have to play Georgia but they get Georgia early in Tuscaloosa A and M comes to Tuscaloosa Auburn comes to Tuscaloosa their one road game is is LSU. And I feel like LSU will probably take somewhat of a step back this year. Um, with Ohio State, I, that's probably the only change I would have made. I probably would have taken Ohio State two if I really had to like do an order on it, and then right. Bama three. But it's it's pretty close. I mean, Ohio State has that trip to Penn State, which is you know difficult. Uh, but like, is there anybody who has an argument to have a clearly better roster than them? I, I don't think so. Like you might say, Hey, I like this roster a little bit better, but nobody's like a clear better roster than the Buckeyes right now. So I, I think that's exactly what I would have done with, with my picks, man. Yeah. And I think the, the points you made on Alabama's defense is, is important because when you look at the way the roster, the way they've recruited over the last couple cycles, because it, it was so interesting to me when, when I think back at one of the best Alabama classes of all time was that 2017 class. It was it was the it was Tua, Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. Um, th- this uh, I think Xavier McKinney is Xavier McKinney that class. It, it was just loaded. I think so. Uh, and I, and and that class ultimately won one national championship, which was their freshman year. And in retrospect, when you think back at that class, it was very un-Alabama class because it was quarterback and skill players largely. I mean, they did, like I said, they have two potential first-round draft picks off as a tackle, but it wasn't this class that was just like loaded with front seven talent. I think they've been recruiting over the last couple years in a way that perhaps this year, like you said, Bud, they get back to having a front seven that can really impose their will on another team. And, and that's a little bit of where the confidence lies in Alabama being a, I mean, bounce back isn't even the right term because it was still potentially I mean a lot of people still thought they were a top four team in the country last year but th- this could be a year where they're they're back to their dominant self um you know with, with, with no slip-ups all right so I'm up now and I think here's where it really starts to get interesting because we have some choices to make uh, I'm, I'm up for picks number four and picks five and uh, I I'm not gonna lie I kind of have I, I have about three or four teams here that, that I really do like and and they're they're kind of all mashed together a little bit, uh, but I, I'm going to bet on track record. Th- this team ha- has made the playoff consistently every year since since their, their guy has been the head coach. That's Lincoln Riley. G- give me Oklahoma. 
I understand the Texas hype in, in the Big 12, uh, but I, I'm seeing all this narrative about can he do it with a quarterback he actually recruited. As if it's harder to do that than it is to take a transfer and, and assimilate the transfer into your program. It's not like Spencer Rattler's a true freshman. He was there last year. I think he was our number one rated quarterback on 24-7 sports, right? Rattler? He was. I, yep. I mean... The kid Absolutely. can play. Like he's the yeah. guy I really liked out of that class too. Even though I thought the class was down compared to the, you know, Trevor Justin Fields year. Uh, their receiver talent's ridiculous. It's the second year under Alex Grinch there on defense, and I, I think that that continuity should help some. Uh, and the schedule is is manageable. Uh, Tennessee comes to town early, and I I think I would like to get that Tennessee team you know fairly early. That, that's a team I think could keep improving over the course of the season. So go ahead and give me Oklahoma there with pick number four. And for five, this is the one where I really kind of struggled. I think there's probably three teams you could pick here. Uh, but, and I know the trip to Alabama early scares me, but but you got to give me Georgia here. I, I, I hear Rusty Mansell talk about, about how good Georgia's defense is going to be. And I just think, right, who on their schedule has the firepower to, to trip them up if this offense under under uh, Munkin and under under Jamie Newman is anything to write home about. I like their skill talent on the outside with, with, with Pickens and those guys. And the schedule's pretty manageable. Like they, they can actually afford to drop that game at Bama as long as they run the table in the East, which they have done more often than not under Kirby Smart. And for the most part, they beat everybody in the East by double digits. I mean, it's not those games are typically not close. So go ahead and give me Oklahoma at four and Georgia at five. Yeah. In particular, I was hoping you would get get seduced by Like, for some reason, um, I thought maybe you liked Florida. I don't know if there was another team out there somewhere that would would, would draw your your attention. I was hoping you, Georgia, would slide to me. Because I do think that Georgia is – like, if you are looking for this year's LSU – Georgia is is the candidate. And I say that, I, I wrote recently about, I think we talked about on the last pod even, how Jamie Newman could be the next Joe Burrow. But the, the similarities extend beyond just the quarterback. I mean, yes, the quarterback, there's a new quarterback coming in, a transfer that had uh, success at a previous stop, but is, is getting a whole different fleet of weapons to play with here at Georgia than he ever touched at Wake Forest. The, the skill positions are elite, the the running back room is is stacked. They've got a new offensive coordinator in that is being tasked with giving their offensive weapons more of an opportunity to be successful in Todd Munkin, and I think he'll be able to do that to to a degree. Uh, and then the defense is just loaded. And so I mean, we talked last week about can Kirby Smart sort of un unleash the offense sort of take take his hands off the wheel a little bit and let him go uh that that's obviously remains a big question but I think there's every reason to believe Georgia is capable of being just a dominant team this year um that would have been my number four pick uh outside of those top three we talked about and then Oklahoma like you said I think that's just sort of the safe pick so now as as I hit six and seven by the way hey can I, I let me just quiz you real quick? Is there any position on Georgia's defense that you're not sold on? I'm just looking up and down this roster, like Channing Tendall's fighting for playing time. I loved that guy coming out of high school. He he was he was freaky. I mean, the Kobe Dean, I, I, 
Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, all these dudes are just they're freaky, man. Like like and and the secondary is is stupid good as well. I I they might not give up 30 points all year. No, I 100%. And and I mean they've got I think that's what's encouraging is not only do they have really good players, they got really good depth. They're bringing in guys that can play as true freshmen uh, and are going to push the guys in front of them. They they've got waves of front seven players that can run at you. Outside linebackers, inside linebackers, they've got waves of back end players that they can run at you. Um, I mean they they've I feel like there's still this sort of and and I think the the fact that they can foster this competition in their in their roster in their secondary, the fact that they don't you know whoever's going to play that star position is sort of unknown because there's just a bunch of guys that can and they got to find out who the best one is. I think all those things are I don't know the, the the dynamics and the the tenets of of a roster that can really make some noise. So no, I'm I'm very much a believer in Georgia for next year. Um, so here's my dilemma now. So I got six and seven. You've taken one Big 12 team off the board. Um, I could dip back into the SEC where we already have two teams gone. I could dip into the, to the Big 10 where there's some certainly playoff-worthy rosters. I think what I'm going to do here is a little bit of a gamble. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and take the field for the Big 12. I'm going to take Texas, and I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Ooh, okay. And I know that's early for Oklahoma State, but I'm just not going to give you another opportunity. Like, I guess what, maybe a TCU or Iowa State or someone can make a run. I don't know. I don't really see that. I see it's Oklahoma, it's going to be Texas, or it's going to be Oklahoma State. And if you look at Oklahoma State's roster, what they return, they return Chuba Hubbard at, at running back, a guy that was a day two pick this year, more than likely, which is why he came back. He's going to be playing to be a first rounder this year at, at running back. Uh, you've got Spencer Rattler. I'm sorry, not Spencer Rattler. Spencer Sanders at quarterback who's going to be in year two uh, as a starter. Athletic. Uh, I think they, he could take a leap there. Um, and you've got a uh, Tylen Wallace at receiver coming back after getting injured last year. He's another guy that could have been in the NFL this past year. And I think they have like 10 of 11 guys coming back on defense. So I just think if, if you're expecting the Big 12 to get somebody in, and that's certainly not a given, but more likely than not, the Big 12 will have somebody in. Um, if it's anyone but Oklahoma, I think it's going to be Texas or Oklahoma State. So a little early to go off the board with Oklahoma State. Uh, but I, I I like my chances there uh, of them having a good season, and I think with Texas, this is if it's not this year, when is it going to be? They return their they got an experienced quarterback that's one of the best in the country. Tom Herman has brought in a couple of new coordinators that ideally breathe some life into both units. If they stay healthy on defense, is a game changer. I mean that's been a big issue uh, over just over the last year. Uh, particularly in the secondary, they'll be healthier at running back, have some experience coming back on the offensive line. They've recruited well at wide receiver. There's no like, there's no excuses for Texas to not be capable of making a playoff run. I don't necessarily expect it to happen because we really haven't gotten the indication that it will. But again, this is more of a playoff of you taking Oklahoma off the board. 
I'm just going to go ahead and say, give me the rest of the Big 12. All right, so with Texas, I'm pretty much on record here on Twitter at my prior place of employment. I wanted Texas in 2020. I was not a Texas 2019 guy. I thought that, like, at best, 2019 was sort of going to be like a maintain the gains type year that they made from 2018. But, like, I don't know, not us, but some of the media hype train on Texas last year I thought was unwarranted because they weren't really looking at what Texas, what Texas was actually bringing back and, and what they were having to rely on from a youth and depth standpoint at some of their positions, especially on defense. And, and I do wonder, like, w- was firing both coordinators an overreaction to not living up to what was, in my opinion, unjustified hype? Uh, but they did it, and now they, got, they have to live with it. I, I like the pick, though, because I was going to take Texas at eight, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what I was going to do. So you only jump them up by a spot. And I had Oklahoma State penciled in here if I could get them at 12. But I understand the pairing because if Oklahoma slips up at all, I, I totally get it. And, and so he, the, my favorite thing about Oklahoma State that you didn't say, because I, I think you said a lot of great points, but getting Chuba and Sanders to come back is great. Barton, their non-conference schedule is Oregon State, Tulsa, and Western Illinois. Then they travel on the road to TCU. But this is Mike Gundy with basically three weeks to prep. Like, none of those games are threats at all. They can work, I mean, you play, like, they can work a TCU-type day in practice every week without even telling these kids it's a TCU day, right? They can, be like, they can just rep some right. concepts, getting right. real familiar with, with, with what TCU does. And I think TCU is going to be pretty salty this year, so I really like getting them early for Oklahoma State off those three sort of pseudo-bye weeks, if you will. And actually, they have a bye week before TCU. So they go... Oregon State, Tulsa, Western Illinois by TCU. Like, if Okie State drops that TCU game, no no excuses for that, I, I, I think. They should go on the road and get that win. But here's the other cool thing. Look at their non-conference games this year. It, and when I chart the Big 12, if, you get a, if one of your road games is at Kansas, that's a big deal. Because that means you're not having to play another road game at a place where you can actually lose. And I don't think, right. I don't think Kansas is a legitimate threat to beat them. At Baylor, we I think we both probably think this is a bit of a rebuilding year for Baylor. And then at Kansas State, uh, which I, I just don't know if Kansas State is going to be able to score with Oklahoma State this year. They lost so much up front on Five the offensive line. line. All their yeah. starters. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could make a difference. Uh, I mean, you could argue K-State will be better by year end. but And then they close the year uh, with, with Texas on a Friday, and Texas has to travel and play on short rest. The one game that I think you project them to lose is at my pick, Oklahoma. Uh, but if Oklahoma State handles its business, it will have a rematch against Oklahoma, probably, or Texas. I mean, hell, that'd be pretty nice for you if, if the Big 12 title game is, is Texas Oki State. Uh, but they're going to have probably two bites at the apple if they handle their business in these other games. I, I think they very well could be favored in uh, in, in probably 11 of, the, of their 12 ball games. So that, I, I like that pick, actually. And now... I'm not going to say that I should have picked them at four or five. You know, I think it's just kind of how the draft board fell. But in hindsight, if you had not picked picked Okie State there, maybe I should have actually gone Texas Okie State at uh, at my picks here with well, with eight nine. Yeah, that that's the thing with like because I I know at six and seven, those probably aren't the sixth and seventh best teams in the country. If I were to just rank the teams, but I look at the opportunity. I don't want to miss the opportunity. At getting both of them, um, hey, 
one injury, a quarterback for Oklahoma, and all of a sudden I'm I'm sitting pretty. So uh, I, I'll take it, even knowing I was kind of gambling on where you had Oklahoma State on your board. Now I've got a decision to make because I, I think there's there's one team that's pretty obvious here, uh, and there's one team that I I don't really have a strong feel on, but I, I think I I, I kind of have to do it uh, to, to play for a potential block here. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Florida Gators uh, with 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 my number eight pick. They return a whole lot. Uh, I looked at them for my SEC one you know one prediction per team piece, and I. I I really think their run game will be, be much improved this year. That was an issue last year. If you looked at Florida's yards per carry, it was fine, right? But if you looked at their success rate, shout out Bill Connolly for, for some of those advanced metrics, it was really poor. Florida had several runs of 60, 70, 80 yards that sort of inflated their yards per carry total, but they were not very good gaining yards when they needed to and staying on schedule. This year, I think that offensive line grows up a little bit better. It's pretty rare for a Dan Mullen football team to not be able to run the football, and I think that they'll be able to do much better with that this year. And Kyle Trask uh, returns with an offseason. I mean, not much of one, but re- returns as the returning starter this year. And in my opinion, this basically locks up one team in the SEC title game for me, right? With with having Georgia and having Florida. In fact, if one of those two teams gets to Atlanta undefeated, they actually could, in theory, lose that title game and still go, depending on what happens in the other conferences. Uh, and I guess uh, I'm just going to be an SEC homer here, and I'm going to follow up with LSU. I, I, I'm not super high on LSU, but I, I, I do think Ed Orgeron has something special going there. I don't think they were just a flash-in-the-pan one-year wonder. It, I, I actually think they're going to be one of the top national title favorites in 2021. But in case I'm wrong, in case that they arrive, or not arrive, but in case they just stay around a little bit more than I think they will, to me, I feel pretty good sitting here with Clemson and then teams two, three, four in the SEC with with you having Alabama. No, I, I like I definitely like the pairing of Florida and Georgia. Um, the East is going to get into the playoffs eventually, and you, you've got a pretty good shot there. And, and, and like you said, they could get in without even winning the, the conference. You know, LSU is an interesting one. I honestly, I had LSU lower on the board for me. There seems to be some Miles Brennan confidence. I have no doubt that the talent around him is good enough to, to, to run it back. I mean, Jamar Chase returns. Trey Palmer was like a 10, 400-meter guy that, that just, just got his feet wet last year. Uh, Terrace Marshall comes back at receiver. Those, those young running backs now sort of step into to their role as the, the feature backs. Like there's a lot of reasons why LSU could just keep this thing chugging. I just I couldn't I couldn't get there, particularly when you look at just sort of the rest of the the rest of the conference. Um, the amount that they have to replace is up on defense. Uh, you know, it was nice they got the North Dakota State transfer here recently at, at linebacker. That helps, but uh, right or wrong, I I would have been a little bit lower on LSU. I, I think Florida's fascinating because. I have as much confidence in Dan Mullen as a coach on game day as anyone in the country. And by game day, I don't even necessarily mean like play calling. I just think general structure, general game plan, um, being able to exploit another team's weaknesses, being able to minimize your own. And, And I think he did a really good job of that last year with Kyle Trask. I mean, it was all this short pass game stuff. 
it was it was it was utilizing a pretty deep receiving core. But a lot of those guys are gone this year. Everyone's sort of got the blueprint on on Kyle Trask's strengths and weaknesses. I'm just I'm really interested in seeing what Florida looks like. And like you said, maybe the answer there is the the run game becomes a, a, a much more central part of of the equation. Because it flashed last year too, but uh, I, I would have I would have been very tempted to roll with with Florida in this next next set of picks for me as well. So let me ask uh, you this: I'm with you, if, if I had not taken LSU. And you had, you now have picks ten to eleven. Was LSU going to be there for me at twelve? Yeah, I think they would have. Oh, damn. It. All right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's kind uh, of the game theory. of This, you know, you yeah. had to think: is Bud gonna, is Bud going to push up Texas or Okie State? I I had to think. All right, is Barton going to take LSU? And I I'm not going to lie. Like nine felt high for LSU, but ten and eleven, especially at eleven spot. I'm like, I don't know. Is there an obvious team? Like, is there an obvious two? Is, is Barton going to snake LSU for me there? I I don't know. That's kind of what makes this fun. Hopefully, yeah. you know, fun for the listener as well. Okay, so <clears throat> I've got about. I'm circling them right now. There's like four teams right now that I think you want. That I feel confident you want. I should say. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm gonna. If here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick the Pac-12. I'm gonna pick Oregon. And I'm going to pick USC. And the USC pick, to me, is really interesting. So let me go. We'll call it for the official ledger. We'll go Oregon at 10, USC at 11. So, you know, Oregon, what? Like, sort of self-explanatory, you know, that they were the best team of the Pac-12 last year. They return a... Loaded defense, really. I mean, they, they the potential hit they could have taken from the NFL draft was was absorbed when a lot of those guys decided to come back. Kayvon Thibodeau's in year two. Uh, obviously, they need a quarterback, but I feel good about the ability to go out and get a transfer in Anthony Brown from Boston College. Not even necessarily because he's going to be the answer, but because now if Tyler Shuck is the quarterback, he beat out Anthony Brown instead of beating out some guys that have never played before. And so whoever the quarterback is, it's someone that we can have confidence in. I think the receiving group's going to be improved. Running backs are, are, are you know, the running back's back. And offensive line, Mario Cristobal is going to take care of that. So I think this Oregon is probably the safest Pac-12 champion pick. USC, I, I was looking at USC here recently. I think it might have been for the Cover 3 podcast we, we were talking yeah, we were talking Pac-12 South. And just looking at the USC roster, like maybe I am compromised in the way I look at USC because of my recruiting background, because we've ranked their classes high. The names all resonate to me. But that is a talented roster, man. Like, A, Keaton Slovis is a quarterback who we, we all think is very good. He's going to be in year two with Graham Harrell. But... How many times now have we seen a college football playoff uh, participant trotting out a backup quarterback because of injury, because any number of different factors? Well, JT Daniels is their backup. So if they get banged up, JT Daniels is, is, can just pick up the baton. You, you've got a receiving group that is one of the best in the country with Tyler Vons and Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, 
what Drake Metcalf and what whatever you know. This is a group that is is it Drake Metcalf? Is that their other receiver's name? Drake Davis, not Drake Davis. This is a a, a loaded group of receiver. The, the the running back is room is deep. Vi Malapai, Stephen Carr, um, the 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 kid from Indiana who was a freshman last year. Who I'm always Marquis uh, Step, Marquis Step. Oh yeah. The, like the, there's there's a lot of different types of backs they can utilize, and then defensively, again you got guys like Jay Tufele and Marlon Tui Pelotu, and these guys are like borderline five star prospects. And yes, I, I am disappointed in the way USC has developed some of their elite players, especially in the defensive trenches. But a fresh voice on the defensive side of the ball coming in, uh, a defensive coordinator, uh, a really salty group of linebackers, former studs at defensive back that if they're all healthy is a pretty good room I just think there's a lot to like from a talent perspective of USC and then we talk about the schedule I actually kind of like that they're playing Alabama up front if I think Alabama wins that game but if USC comes out there and is somehow just competitive if that's a one or two score game like a 10 point game and and somehow that they can have a really like really use that as a springboard for the rest of the season. Yeah, they probably have to kind of run the table the rest of the way. But I, I think that with that roster, it's not inconceivable that USC could put together that kind of a bounce back year where Clay Helton's sitting there on the hot seat. So I, we think a lot alike. Um, yeah, I, I had these guys, both of them literally right there. I, I'm a little surprised they lasted this long. I, I did choose you know, the SEC over them uh, last time. And when you told me you weren't going to take LSU at, uh, at, at 10 or 11, uh, you know, I was like, all right, well, pretty sure I know where he's going here. And I think the logic is this. Like, they can afford a loss to, the Ohio, to Ohio State or to Bama, but it can't be like a blowout loss to where the rest of the country thinks they don't belong on the national stage. They're just out west. Let's, let's just forget about them. But I think... If they're good enough to avoid that blowout loss to an Ohio State team or to or to this Bama team, then the the logic follows that they're probably good enough to run the table in the Pac-12 and and be a, a twelve and one champion. So I I like that. I um, I will never forget Slovis. I I went pretty heavy in the uh, the live wagering on Utah when when they knocked uh, when they knocked what's his name out when they knocked Slovis out of the game and then uh, who was the third stringer for USC who, who just think. He God. was just throwing up bombs. It's like five hundred, dude, yeah. and Michael Pittman, and like so that was a because that was a layup that that USC wasn't going to be great the next game because if you actually watched the way yeah. Fink was playing in that game, you knew that this is this was not going to work two games in a row. And so I can't even remember what USC did the following week. But wasn't I remember, it the, the roadie at BYU? Yes, I think that's right. And I, I was on BYU that week because hey, week one backup guy throwing bombs that might work, but not not week two. Yeah, so I I like these picks. Um, I've seen a lot of Anthony Brown, and I was like, well, Oregon's a team I kind of feel runs the ball too much, and Boston College is a team that probably ran it a little bit too much. Like they had they they had AJ Dillon who was awesome, but everybody knew they were going to run the ball all the time. He's very experienced throwing off play action. He actually can throw the deep ball pretty well. I I, I think that could work there. I maybe not quite as high on Anthony Brown as you are, but again, I. I can't hate these because these were gonna probably gonna be my two picks here at twelve and at thirteen. So, all right, I guess it's time for you to make some picks. And and I have to me, I I think there's three teams here you can look at 
Uh, and I'm obviously not going to say all three on the chance that you know one drops to me with my final pick. But uh, well, to be I, I clear, think- there are three teams right now that I am interested in as well. Okay. So we might be talking about the same three. I'm I'm hoping that you've got a different, you know, uh, m- maybe one substitute in there somewhere, and I can get two of my three. All right. So uh, at pick twelve, go ahead and give me Penn State. Uh, I yep, that, that was one of them. All right. I, I have to counter your pick of Ohio State. Ohio State has to go to Happy Valley. I I don't love the quarterback situation here at Penn State, but I don't I don't hate it. Right. Like they can make the playoff. Penn State's clearly one of these teams to me that I don't think they could win at all. But I could see them making the playoff and, and, and making a run. They, they've come damn close in prior years. That defense is going to be really salty. Uh, at, at times, we saw some teams rattle Justin Fields last year for a quarter, sometimes like 20 minutes. Usually it wasn't the whole game, and part of that was related to him being banged up at the end of the year. But the athleticism on this Penn State defense really does it for me, man. They are so athletic. I mean, I, I look at it, uh, it, Brandon Smith is now playing for them. You have, you have Micah Parsons. Uh, the difference makers they have w- w- with the big, fast athletes, I first of all, that can clearly help them beat Ohio State, but I also think that will help them avoid slip-ups w- w- within, within the conference. I just don't think there's enough offenses in that league who can put up enough points on them. Uh, we'll see what Michigan looks like. I'm not the biggest fan of Michigan's uh, quarterback situation. So I guess we'll see uh, on, on that. So go ahead and give me Penn State there at 12. And then I give me the Irish. I, I They do have to play Clemson, which is clearly the, the potential stumbling block here. But Clemson is a team that I have. And if this Irish team beats, if they take down Clemson, this is almost my Clemson insurance. I really don't want Clemson insurance from within within the ACC because I think if any, if any team beats them, like the ACC is not going to have a non-Clemson playoff representative, I, I don't think. The Irish are sort of my Clemson loss insurance. Clemson has to go to Notre Dame later in the year. I think the offense is going to be dynamite. I like Hamilton on defense. And the other thing is, I think if they play a really close game against Clemson, there's enough names on this schedule to where perhaps an 11-1 Notre Dame team could still get into the playoff. I don't think it's super likely, but I mean we're down here at pick 13, so you have to kind of think about possibilities. Stanford could bounce back some this year. We'll see. That could be a name win. They get Wisconsin in early October uh, at Lambeau Field, so that'll be a game people uh, really remember. Pitt should be a bowl team. Louisville should, again, probably be a bowl team, uh, and, and they get that one at home, so that'll be a nationally broadcast game on NBC, and then they finish uh, in the Coliseum against USC. So go ahead, give me the Irish here. It, first is Clemson Insurance, and then second, maybe they're able to do it without. Yeah, what, one of the things that scared me away from Clemson or from Notre Dame a little bit was I was doing Big Ten on 24-7 sports. You can find right now my like one prediction for every Big Ten team. And as I was looking at Wisconsin's schedule, I was I was actually surprised to see oh they got they got Notre Dame. Um, so this Notre Dame schedule, yes, it's got USC, which it always has, and uh, it it has Clemson, which is going to be a big one. And then I saw Wisconsin sneak up on there, and then I, I just sort of got a little scared of the schedule. Now, I will say, as I as I really sort of look at this a second time. 
Look, they should beat Navy. They'll beat Arkansas. They'll beat Western Michigan. They'll beat Wake Forest. Um, I, I mean, I guess Wake Forest is, is, could conceivably win, but I, I think Notre Dame's at a point where they don't have to sweat that kind of a game. I don't believe in Stanford yet. Pitt, like the, the rest of the schedule is a very ACC schedule. And so I guess Notre Dame really, it, it really is in a lot of ways probably a three-game schedule. So maybe I didn't give Notre Dame enough credit on my initial glance. Um, I'm not the most trusting of Ian Book. Uh, there, there's, there's some quarterbacks I feel more comfortable with. So this was not one of my, my three. This was not was one of your three. Eyeing. Okay. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Um, Penn State certainly was, and and I think. Look, here's my. So here we are in uh, in April, right? And we're we're predicting college football playoffs, and it, it, in this role, we go about like we start predicting national champions and playoff contenders in in April, and then we and then we have to either change our pick or double down over the next five months. And so sometimes you get boxed into corners. Sometimes you make several different predictions. So I think I had a few different national title predictions along the way last year. But for our, our, our Facebook show on 24-7 Sports, we had a preseason show where we sort of used this like process of elimination method of finding an, a national title contender. And we wanted to do it. We, didn't, we weren't trying to find someone off the beaten path. But we wanted to like be honest about the approach and as we use sort of the important factors, critical factors in crowning a national title, we whittled the list down to LSU. We landed on LSU. And so I'm not, I'm not saying I picked LSU as my official pick last year, but that, that process actually led us to LSU, which we, we kind of were like laughing at the time, um, you know, and then but sort of the more we thought about it, it made sense. LSU goes and wins a national title. And that process is really about four things. It was about, do you have a quarterback? Because that disqualifies you if you don't. Do you have the, the, the prerequisite talent? Because that disqualifies you if you don't. Do you have the schedule? Because that can, I think, qualify you. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a barrier of entry, but it, it, can, it can boost someone into contention that might not otherwise be by a favorable schedule. And then it, do, you have a, do you have a coaching that is going to, limits you from that. So as I look at Penn State, this is a long way to get into Penn State. As I look at Penn State, I'm just worried about the quarterback, and you are too, yep. it sounds like. Yeah. But like that's my only fear of making a Penn State prediction. They have a good quarterback who is capable of getting them in Big Ten championship contention. He would be out of place in the college ball playoffs, I think, which is, which is sort of my fear in, in predicting them getting there. There's and and frankly, like, this is same thing with with Notre Dame in a way. I mean, we've seen Ian Book in a playoff setting. It's not all on him, but he did look a little Jake Browning ish from you know the Washington appearance. I, I you know it'd be nice to 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 be able to hang your hat on a quarterback that you have full confidence can 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 handle that that uh, that setting and that that road to get there. And our last four picks clearly have one of those things to ding them at least, right? With, with, with Penn State, like Penn State reminds me a little bit of like 2018 Clemson. Nasty front seven. Nobody really thought Kelly Bryant was going to be able to win a, a national title, but they were able to make it. I think if we're picking teams to win the national title, which, hey, we might do at some point, uh, right. like maybe Penn State's a little bit lower because of the quarterback. Do you think Anthony Brown can win a national title? To me, no, probably yeah. not. 
Right. USC has the Clay Helton issue, which is the you know do you, is your coaching on game day uh, and program management a little bit sketchy so far? Survey says yes, and then Irish. I, I, I agree. I think Notre Dame you know has some quarterback uh, issues for sure there. I, okay, so I'm interested to see. Clearly, Penn State was one of your teams, but you're you're about to hit me with the other two to, to finish off your your draft, aren't you? Yeah, and look, I think that both of these, in in fact. Both of these teams that I'm about to pick here actually align pretty well with that criteria. So I'll go with, at 14, Texas A&M. And then at 15, I'm going to go Minnesota. Ooh. So if you look at, let's start with Minnesota first. All right, so Minnesota returns their quarterback. And, and I, I think that Tanner Morgan is really good. Is Tanner Morgan a playoff quarterback? He might be. I, I don't think you can say with certainty that he's not. Um, but he's certainly – I mean, he's, he's probably the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten um, heading into the year. Uh, so I think you've got that. You have – look, do they have an NFL – like, do they have the NFL talent roster? You know, probably you would say no at this point, but look, they're about to have, they're going to have one of the best wide receivers in, in the conference. They're going to have one of the bigger offensive lines in the conference. They've got a defensive unit that has got like really, has the right body types and athletes. So I actually think that this team is more talented probably than it gets credit for. They don't recruit at the level that that you sort of need to to be a consistent national title contender. But I do think that the way PJ Fleck recruits is gives them a chance because they they recruit high upside guys. They don't recruit high floor guys. They recruit high upside guys. It's a little bit like the Baylor method too. I mean, all the guys you see going to to Minnesota, they're often multi sport guys. They're often guys that play multiple positions. They're often guys that like are just sort of untapped. And so I think the talent is closer than maybe Minnesota gets credit for. Coaching, I don't know. It, you know, I, I do think it hurts that they lost Kirk Karacha again uh, to, to Penn State. Mike Sanford comes in. We'll see what he can do in year one. But you know, that's a question mark, the, the, the offensive coordinator spot, as they try to incorporate and, and, and install a new offense. P.J. Fleck is certainly – an elite coach, does he does he cross that get over that hump to the national you know college ball playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think he's capable of it. So I, I certainly don't think he disqualifies them. And then here's what's really compelling is if you look at their schedule. First of all, they miss uh, Penn State and Ohio State out of the East. They've got Iowa at home. They've got Wisconsin on the road, yes, but Wisconsin, that's going to be the week after that Notre Dame game at, at, uh, at Lambeau. So I think that that's a pretty good – if you're going to have to go on the road to Madison, that's not a bad place to get it. So then they got Michigan at home, and their other road games are Maryland, Illinois, Michigan State, and Nebraska. Like, that is a very manageable schedule. So, again, when you hit the bullet points of, like, what are the – are the traits or the the characteristics that give you a chance to get in the playoffs? I think actually Minnesota ha- has a lot of them, um, so I think that's a, that's one to watch. Texas A and M, a lot of similarities there. 
Kellen Mond, I mean, what? I don't know what the hell we're dealing with with Kevin, Kellen Mond. He's got a first-round arm. He's got a first-round body. got first-round athleticism. But sometimes he looks like a, a frat kid quarterback out there just, just winging it. And sometimes he looks like a first-rounder. And so I, can he finally take that leap to consistency under Jimbo Fisher? I, I think, again, when you're talking about ceiling versus floor, he definitely has the ceiling to be a college ball playoff quarterback. So I think that's something that is, if, you're, if I'm getting him here at 15 or 14, I'll take that. Secondly, this is a talented roster. I think it wasn't ready the, maybe last year, certainly wasn't ready two years ago. And it's still probably a year away heading into this year, but they returned like 19 starters. There's going to be some guys that were backups last year that beat out starters from the previous year. There's going to be a really talented freshman class coming in that can help them. And then I got to pull up this Texas A&M schedule real quick, but the the schedule is is very favorable. I mean, last year it was a it was just a ridiculous schedule where they really never had a fighting chance. But this year, with a better team, better roster, more experience, they've got Abilene Christian, North Texas, and Colorado in the non-conference. Along, with I've got Texas it memorized State. now. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've written like three or four long forms about this. Yeah, we'll like, have I, at it. Yeah, I mean, so, this is a beautiful, beautiful setup. It really is. So they're they're non their their teams from the East this year, I believe, are South Carolina and Vandy, right? Which is, I mean, you yep. can't get an easier draw than that from the East. They do have to go to Bama. So this is kind of Bama insurance for you, right? Like yep. you, you you took Bama, like that's a game that Bama could lose in theory. There's, there's very few on that tied schedule. Like I I put a And M in my coaches in pivotal years piece in one of my first weeks at 24-7, and their fans were pissed about it. And I was like, look, this is not a hot seat piece. Right. This is a, you got to cash in here. Like, this is this is your, your three years of recruiting. This is the easiest schedule you have had in quite a while and probably will have in quite a while. Like, there's nobody who wants this season to be played more than A&M, right? Like, they, they, they don't want to lose the, the, the schedule. Like, they've got to cash this in, and, and they have the real schedule to do so. I, I think they're, what, they're at Auburn, uh, which is probably, if you had to put a line on it, kind of coin flippy. You know, I don't, I don't think either team would be a huge favorite there. LSU comes to town. Their non-conference is like a cakewalk. This was my other other team of my three. When I said I had three with Penn State and Notre Dame, and the other other one was A and M. With Minnesota, I actually don't hate that. Like I, I I wasn't really thinking ahead to my 16th pick quite yet. I was hoping A and M would drop, but that's probably pretty foolish. And uh, with Minnesota, if they have to throw more, will Tanner Morgan be able to do it? They're another one of these teams that ran the ball so much last year that when they did throw it, they almost always had favorable numbers and favorable matchups. You know, we talked about they don't really recruit at that national title level, and that's true. But like a guy like Rashad Bateman, Florida State and Georgia wanted him pretty badly, and he was a win for Minnesota of the early signing period because P.J. Fleck gets in there and he works his magic on these kids and it's like they don't flip when, when the other big schools come calling. In fact, I, I kind of want to write about that later this summer when I you know, when I get a chance to. Minnesota does a great job of, catching, or of keeping some of those kids who they're on early and they don't end up flipping to other schools whereas some schools will kind of have a kid committed for eight months and then all of a sudden he, he flips away. And that's that's tough. So, 
last pick of the draft here, pick 16. And I I can just kind of, I mean, you don't have any more picks, so I can just tell you who the four teams left on okay. my board are. All right. So, and you, got, so honest, you got four more guys, teams that you're, you're messing around with. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I really didn't need cast here at this point. I really didn't need to rank this far, I realize, because there's only 16 rounds, so you probably shouldn't go ranking 20 teams. Uh, so I've got Auburn. I've got Michigan. I've, I've got Wisconsin. And I've got Washington. And so, other than that, do you have anybody anybody on your list that I, don't, I didn't list there? I have one team that you didn't list. Am I going to feel pretty stupid for it? All right, probably. No, you're not going to feel stupid for it. It's not obvious. It's not obvious. Got it. I'm okay. just curious if you... Is, 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 Care to take a guess? Uh, is it is it a G five team? Is it Boise? No, it's not G five. Okay, uh, Miami with Derek King. No, but it is ACC. You're not going Carolina, are you? <laughs> I'm not going Carolina. They made my board though. Okay, they they Carolina made my board probably a year early there. Maybe Carolina is a more defensible pick in 2021. Um, but look, we're talking 16th pick at this point, so. Uh, you know, they they were a, they were an option that I was willing to entertain. I I don't hate that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take. Give me Wisconsin. Okay, sell At, me on this. This is interesting. Yeah, I I really kind of feel like all these four teams are. Like, if you had to put odds on these, nobody is is less than like fifteen to one. I I wouldn't think, right? I mean, of making the playoff. Wisconsin ha- has a manageable schedule with the with the exception of playing Notre Dame, but they have that Notre Dame game that can kind of get them up there. I, I don't really like I, – I think Wisconsin has a better chance of beating Ohio State if they get there uh, on a neutral site than Michigan does going on the road to an Ohio State team that is just absolutely – like Ryan Day has Michigan's defense's number. I mean, they, they put up 50 like every time they play. And so even if Michigan improves by like two touchdowns, Ohio State's still scoring 35 on them in, in you know, in, in Columbus. With Washington, I, I thought about it, but the schedule's not that friendly. I, I don't know if their non-conference has enough potentially, like, like you know, skins that you could, you could rack up. Auburn, I, I think, is probably the number four team in the West. And, and I did consider Auburn here just to try and have what, what I think are would be, what, f- uh, four of the top six teams in right. the SEC with, with you having Bama and a and It was sort of like process elimination, and if Wisconsin can get there, they, they played Ohio State tough for about 40 minutes last year. Like, I, I thought Ohio State would just come out after halftime and, and just, just, you know, beat them up, and Wisconsin actually had something for them in that first drive or two out of the half, and then Ohio State kind of said, yeah, guess what? All right. But who knows? If a what if what if Justin Fields gets banged up against Michigan and they have to go play and, and Wisconsin beats them and they're I don't know twelve and one or something like that? It's also somewhat of Notre Dame insurance for me, and I do think that with these last couple picks, I don't want to mention this to to kind of give away my strategy, but if we end up with two and two, you do kind of have to think about New Year's Six Bowl possibilities. Wisconsin could be an Orange Bowl team, uh, so could Notre Dame, like I. Penn State, I could easily see going 11-1, losing to Ohio State, and because Ohio State makes the playoff, maybe they're the, maybe they're the Rose Bowl team. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think about maybe like who has the best chance of a New Year's Six. I really don't see Auburn as, as a New Year's Six team. So I, I would have gone with Wisconsin there as well. Um, 
So I, I was asking you to explain, not because I wasn't sold on it, but just because I wanted to hear your reasoning. Because Wisconsin is, like, they're a curious team to me because I, on first glance, okay, Jonathan Taylor is gone. Quintez Cephas is gone. Um, they've, you know, they're backfilling some on the offensive line. Like, I just, it feels like if this is a team that has to lean on Jack Cohn to be there to generate their offense, that scares me a little bit. And Jack Cohn is a guy I like, but I like him in that Wisconsin role of a game manager to complement the run game. And I just, is the run game going to be as dominant? I, maybe I'm underselling it. Maybe I'm underestimating it. What, what has me, I think, uh, more confident in Wisconsin is, is, is the defense. And in some ways, the offense and perhaps the limitations that their offense might run up against might be even like a better sell on, on the idea that Wisconsin is going to intentionally keep all these games short, intentionally play their style of football, intentionally lean on their defense, which brings back some some really good players. And this is just one of those Wisconsin teams that you don't know how they win. You don't know like where their points are coming from, but all of a sudden you look up and they're eleven and one or ten and two and they're playing in the Big Ten championship game. And so obviously if you're ten and two and playing in the Big Ten championship game, then you got a shot at the playoffs. So um that would have been where I would have gone as well. All right, let's recap this then. Uh yeah. so Barton ended up with Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, Okie State, Oregon, USC, A and M, and Minnesota. And again in order here, I got Clemson. Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. All right, so as I look at this, if there was a round robin or, or, or some sort of a jumble the players up and we'll pick eight teams to play your eight teams and your collection of teams and talent is better than mine. I think you have more blue bloods. I think you have probably teams that would win against my team in some postseason bowl challenge. But I think my strategy was geared more towards finding those conference champions. So I, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. If, if I, don't you know, get, I don't know how confident I am. I don't know if I'm confident or not. But if I, Alabama I, runs I like my it, strategy. If Alabama gets it for you then I really like your odds. Like, if, if Alabama can be as much of a lock for you as Clemson is for me, then, then I, I think you'll, you'll take it. Right. If Bama doesn't take it home for you, then you're really relying on Oklahoma faltering or the committee putting a Pac-12 team in. Or, or, or Jimbo getting, getting his groove back. Right, exactly. Which And then Jimbo would have to beat Georgia as well, probably in the SEC uh, uh, title game. Yeah, yeah. This was fun, man. I think sixteen was the right number of teams to pick. That was the perfect number. We would have stayed. If we we're starting scratching the barrel after that. Look, I, Auburn, Michigan, Washington, like you mentioned, those are all good teams. North Carolina, like I mentioned, it's a it, that's a hard sell that those teams in this year, given what is coming back. I mean, Auburn just lost all those defensive linemen. Michigan's got a quarterback competition. Uh. Hey, maybe Washington this is the year, but they gotta they gotta find a new quarterback too. Hard sell for those teams, I think. I think we got the right number. All right, let us know 
in the iTunes reviews once you give us those five stars, just how stupid we were, or like let us know what team you think uh, you think's going to win this, Team Barton or Team Bud. Uh, it, it obviously we have a lot of time to kill here before the season kicks off, but we do appreciate your five star ratings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, listen to the show. It's available now, I think, on all the major platforms. I, I really enjoy doing it. We might actually be back with a little special bonus episode, maybe early next week, maybe over the weekend. So. Just uh, watch your feeds out there. And uh, Martin, uh, good luck to you. Good luck to you, bud. Holla.